The song of invitation this morning will be number 488. 488, Jesus paid it all. It's good to be here this morning looking out. There are some empty spots, but it's certainly a blessing to see you. I appreciate it very much. Uh, you're coming and worshiping and, and studying with us. And as we open our hearts and our Bibles this morning, we're going to return back to this theme that we've been discussing for the last seven weeks. Walking in his steps. Growing in Christ is what we're looking for. And as we get to this eighth lesson, uh, we're going to be talking about heaven. Uh, the whole point and object of our growth is to get to heaven, right? That's what we're all after here. And so our study this morning is going to be about the end goal and why it is so important for us to grow spiritually, to walk in Jesus' steps, to follow him. Because the only way, my friend, to be where Jesus is, is to walk as he walked. Following him means that if we follow him, we will be where he is. We need to keep our focus on that goal. Quickly, I, I do want to go back and just mention the things that we've talked about. We've talked about what it means to become a Christian. Becoming a Christian means that we deny ourselves and we take up the cross and we follow Jesus. That's what being a Christian is all about. What we have in Christ, certainly it's worth it. Just in this world we have the blessings, spiritual blessings in Christ that are so bountiful. The forgiveness of our sins and fellowship with God. We have the peace that passes all understanding and the hope of heaven. We have the fellowship of, of those other believers in Christ. We have all the spiritual blessings, and we ought to be grateful and thankful for those. We need to continue to increase in the knowledge of God, not just in knowledge about God, but knowledge of God Himself. We must come into a closer, knitted fellowship with Him, and that is accomplished through our knowledge of Him. And certainly we must know what He says and continue to grow and doing those things he commands us and stand against evil forces. We live in a dark, evil, wicked world. And it's not getting any better. And so we need the things that God provides us so that we can stand against Satan. And we can do that if we take what he's given us. And if we grow, we can give all diligence to grow. And if we do that, we are assured to grow. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 11. We are given the assurance that if we do these things, we will never stumble. We are also instructed that we're to be bearing fruit. Now, if we do the things that the Lord has instructed us to do, if we grow as the Lord has instructed us to grow, by taking what He has given to us so that we may grow, we will also bear fruit. And as we bear fruit in our own lives personally, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. As we bear fruit, we then also become servants. And we become servants not just on a personal level, but also in a community of believers. We serve one another. And thus the community, the body of Christ, the church of our Lord grows. And so, what keeps us going through all of this? Why, why grow? Why go through the service and the things that are required of us, the obedience and even the suffering and the trials? Why? Because of heaven. Because of being with God, and as Melvin led us in song a few moments ago, you know, if, 
if heaven is a place like that, I want to go. But of course, that, I, that uh, next to last stanza, stanza is beautiful as well because Jesus is there. Because the Lord is there. I want to be with the Lord. But in order to get there, I must bear fruit. I must serve. I must be who God wants me to be. Heaven is where we all want to be. In fact, if I ask you to raise your hand right now, don't do it, but if I were to ask you to raise your hand, I suspect that everybody here is going to raise their hand. Do you want to go to heaven? Sure. We all want to go to heaven. We want to be with the Lord. And that's the whole point of this series, to equip us so that we may get there. Now, I want you to think, there are a lot of services going on across the United States and throughout the world today. And there are a lot of preachers standing up and talking about heaven. They're talking about how to get to heaven from their perspective. They're telling people what they need to do if they want to get to heaven. But sadly, in so many places, the people are not being told the truth about what they need to be doing to get to heaven. They're not being told the truth about how to get there, how to live. The whole purpose of this series is to tell you and show you what the Bible says that we are to do, we must do, if we're going to be to heaven, get to heaven and equip us that we may attain that place of glory. The journey is not easy, as we have emphasized. It's not simple. Nor is it really overly complex. It's just the fact that this is a wicked world. And we, as we read about in Hebrews chapter 11 in the scripture reading this morning that Brother Quinga led us in, you know, we need to be looking for a homeland because this world is not our home. It is a wicked, hard place for Christians, for godly people to be. But we can. Most will not make it. Most will stumble. Most will fall. Most will not persevere. Now, you say, well, I don't like that. Well, I know. I don't either. But it's the truth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Now, I believe Jesus. And so we need to take Jesus seriously, and we need to do what's necessary for us to get there. We can, if we accept the instructions that the Lord has given us, if we receive the training and the discipline that the Lord gives us, if we follow the path that the Lord has blazed for us, we can get there. We can't do it on our own. We have to do it by following the Lord. Dave Ramsey, I, I know some of you know who Dave Ramsey is. You've heard of him. Maybe you've heard him on the radio. Maybe you've got some of his books. He, he's, uh, he's a financial guy that talks a lot, you know, helps especially Christians, you know, how to handle their money. I wish I'd listened to him a lot earlier. I wish, I'd, I wish that Dave had been around 30 years ago. But I'll tell you, by the way, he is a member of the church. But this is something he says about finances. He says, if you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. What he means by that, if... If you go ahead and go through the hard times while you're young, when you don't have much money, don't spend money that you don't have. Don't put a bunch of money on your credit cards. Go ahead and suffer. Drive that old dilapidated vehicle around until the wheels fall off of it. 
Don't spend money you don't have. Okay? And go ahead and lay money, make the practice of saving up, saving for your future, living for your future. Don't live for now. That's his idea. He says, if you are willing to make the sacrifices now that most people aren't willing to make, later on you will be able to live as those folks will never be able to live. Now, from a financial perspective, that's very true. But let me tell you something. That is even more true when it comes to spiritual things. If you are not willing to make the sacrifices necessary to live a godly life, you're not going to live forever. If you're not willing to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus, you will not be where Jesus is. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. You're not going to accidentally get there. You're not going to stumble your way in. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And people who are not prepared will not get there. The way to life is narrow. It is difficult, in other words. It is not something that you just let go and let God and flow down the river of life. And finally you go over the waterfall and you wind up in heaven. No, you go over the waterfall and to your own destruction. We must follow the Lord and that's not going to be easy. And it requires sacrifices on our part. We can't live like everybody else because everybody else is not going to heaven. We have to live like nobody else. If we want to live like nobody else. If we want to live forever with the Lord, we have to be godly, faithful, committed. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is, is in heaven, for, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we're striving to get to. Now, earlier in chapter 3, we're going to go back to Philippians chapter 3 a little later, and we're going to go earlier in the text, and we're going to talk about what Paul did in order to arrive at where he wanted to arrive at. We're going to look at that, but right now, turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Once you go ahead, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them there because we're going to be kind of looking through this context a little bit here in just a moment. But beginning in verse 1, Paul says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, is, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. We all want to be with the Lord in glory. All of us do. Are we willing to do those things necessary? Paul says here in verse 1, he says, If then you were raised with Christ. The idea is since. 
you were raised. That's first class conditional clause, since you have been raised with Christ. Now, you were raised with Christ when you were baptized into Christ and you were raised up to walk in newness of life. You go back to chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13, Paul says there that you were buried with Him. And you were raised in your faith in the operation of the working of God. You were raised through faith in God and God doing what He says. He's going to forgive you of your sins. And so when you submit to Him in baptism and you are raised to walk in that new life, you become a child, you are a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3.27. A new life is given to you. Since you've been raised with Christ to this new life, Paul is saying, you have certain things that you are to do and certain things you're not to do. You have been made spiritually alive. And the main point is now you're to live for Christ who died for you. You are to live for Him. You are united with Him. It's kind of like a marriage. When you are joined with Christ, you are married to Him in a sense. You are joined to Him and now you have responsibilities and duties to Him. After all, He's the one that died for you. He's the one that purchased your redemption. He is the one that paid for your sins. He is the one that has brought you to Himself and united you with the Father through His blood in His body. Jesus is the one who died for you. So as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15, that we are to live for Him who died for us. So Paul says, seek those things which are above. Seek. Seek to obtain. Hunt diligently. Seek after. Apply yourself so that you may obtain these things. In Matthew 6 and verse 20, Jesus says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Well, that's the idea. You're seeking heaven. You're laying up for yourself treasures in heaven by doing the things that God would have you to do. You're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew 6, 33. As Philippians 3 and verse 20, when... Paul's talking to the Philippian brethren about this very thing. He says that with eagerness you're waiting for the appearing of the Lord. Eagerness. You're seeking these things with zeal. Recognizing the extreme value of these things. I mean, if you truly understood the value of spiritual life, of salvation in Christ... And of the reward of heaven, if you truly understood the value, I think you'd probably try a little harder. Matthew 13, 44 and 45, the kingdom of heaven. But the Lord uses two illustrations here. He talks about a pearl of great price. He talks about a treasure, treasure that's hidden in the field. In fact, the pearl and the treasure are both, they're, they're representative of the same thing, the kingdom of heaven. And the value of spiritual things. A man finds this pearl of great price. He goes and he sells everything that he has so that he may buy that pearl. Well, that's the idea for us. Are we willing to sell everything that we have that we may have heaven? That we may have spiritual life in Christ and the hope of heaven and the treasure? Are we willing to sell everything that we have? You see, that requires value. If we don't value heaven, we're not going to sell everything we have, are we? We have to value it. Do we value the things that are truly valuable? Seeking things which last forever. That's one of the reasons why it's so valuable. You know, of all the things that you can obtain here on this planet, everything you may strive for, that you may seek after, and that you may obtain, everything, I care not what it is. 
whether it's gold and silver, whether it's a bank, big bank account, whether it's a nice fancy house or a really super fancy car. Really, the bottom line is all those things are going to get old. They're going to wear out. They're going to, you're going to lose them. They're only temporary. But heaven's not like that. Heaven lasts forever. Forever and ever and ever. When we've been there a million years, 10 million years, 100 million years. It's like it, we just began. Seeking things which last forever. That's how Paul got through his sufferings and his trials. He did not look at the things that were temporary, but at the things that were eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. We need to seek to arrive at this far better place. The, the Jews, uh, the Hebrews, the men of faith of Hebrews chapter 11, they did not look at the current situation or circumstances in their life. They looked for a far better place, which they would not attain in this life. Moses forsook Egypt and all of its treasures. Moses gave up his power and authority as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses turned away from all of that for the riches of Christ. That's what the Hebrew writer said. Because he counted these things more valuable, the things of Christ, the things of God, than the material riches he could have had in Egypt. And arrive at a far better place. And of course, the whole point is to be with Christ. Seeking those things above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. You want to be with the Lord forever. That's your goal. Living for heaven requires that we live a certain way. If you want to be with Christ, you have to live a certain way. Paul says, set your mind on things above. If you want to be where Christ is at the right hand of God, you have to first and foremost set your mind on things above. Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, the same point is made. We just read in Philippians chapter 3, the same point. Set. You know what this denotes? Free will, doesn't it? Choice. Paul saying, you set your mind. You do that. Listen, you determine what's valuable for you. You determine what's important for you. You determine what makes you happy. Not, not somebody else. Not your circumstances. You make that choice. What is it that, that makes you content? Paul said that he had learned that in all things to be content. Regardless of his circumstances, he's going to be content. He's going to be joyful. He is going to be thankful. He is going to be faithful regardless of his circumstances. You know why? Because he had set his mind on spiritual things, on things above, not on things on this earth. We're the ones who make these choices. It denotes free will, it denotes choice, it denotes ability. It means that I can set my mind on these things. I can set my mind on things above instead of things on this earth. And not only can I do that, I must do that if I'm going to be in heaven with the Lord. I must set my mind on things above, right? Now, on the book of Ecclesiastes on Sunday nights, okay, we haven't gotten very far, we've just gotten into chapter 2, but let me tell you something. The whole point that the ecclesiastic writer is trying to impress upon us is what? We need to set our minds on the things of God and not on things of this world. Why? Because the things of this world are what? Vanity. All is vanity. 
Set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. Our thoughts, our values, our desires must be set upon spiritual things. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 23, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Why? Because moth doesn't destroy. You know, that thieves do not break in and steal. These things on this earth can be taken from you. But spiritual things can't be. And our focus. He says that the eye is single. If our focus is upon the things of God, then regardless of what happens around us, we're going to be steadfast. We're going to be, we're going to be okay. Because we focus our minds on the things of God. And then he makes the point, you cannot be loyal except God alone. You cannot love God and mammon at the same time. You cannot serve both God and mammon. It's got to be one or the other. You can only be owned by one master. You're either owned by the Lord and thus a servant of Him, or you're owned by Satan and a servant of Him. Which one are you? Our thoughts and our values and our desires must be set upon spiritual things. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Set your mind, or he put it this way, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. What what were those things? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, he's talking about the things of God here. He's talking about the things that will help keep you in a joyful attitude. The things that are spiritual, the things that are according to God's will. The attitude and disposition of Christ himself. These are the thoughts that we are to have. We're to set our mind on things above. We cannot serve God and the world at the same time. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 1 John 2.15 Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these things are not of the Father, but of the world. John then says, the world passes away, but he who does the will of God abides forever. What effect will such a focused mind have in your everyday life? You know, if you're truly focused on the things of God, how is that going to affect your everyday life? You know, Matthew chapter 6 Jesus, in that context, is talking about, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about having our focus where it needs to be. Going back to verse 19, our treasure needs to be in heaven. Okay, verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. The eye needs to be focused. It needs to be single, in other words. It needs to be focused on the things of God. And verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Okay, but then he goes on and he talks about worry. He says in verse 20, 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body as far as what you will put on. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. You know what? If a person truly has his mind focused on the things of God, what things in this life is going to really throw him off of 
where he needs to be? What, what circumstances are going to, to destroy him? He's focused on the things of God. In fact, Jesus goes on. He says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek in verse 32. For your heavenly Father knows that you need the, all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What effect will such a focused mind have on our lives? We live in a day and time where this, you know, depression and unhappiness, just the general displeasure with, with everything. People are so angry, so angry, so bitter. Now, I, I, I do realize that there are some clinical, there are some medical reasons why people struggle. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a lack of faith. Because of a lack of faith, people are discouraged. People are distraught. People are depressed. The guilt, the sin that they bear, carry around, the burden and the weight of sin, and all of the, well, because of a lack of trust and faith in God, they, they look at the circumstances and they're like they're in a storm that never ends and they're scared to death all the time. But for the faithful child of God, regardless of what happens in our life, we still find peace. We're still at peace. What effect will such a focused mind have on our lives? Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, through all of his persecutions, through all of his hardships, he called those things, remember, what did he, what did he say about them? For in our Light afflictions. That's what he called them. He persevered. He had hope. He had confidence. Why? Because he did not look at things that were material or temporal. He looked at the things that were eternal. Turn in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 7. Paul said this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness through the righteousness which is from God for truth, for faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul gave up everything, threw it all away, so that he could have everlasting life. But the only way that he did that was to be focused on the right thing, on the spiritual things. Set your mind on things above. Paul says, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. You died to sin. You died to sin, and you have been given new life. That life is with Christ. It is joined to Christ, and is, as Paul says, it is hidden in Christ. The term hidden is from the Greek term crypto, which means to hide or to conceal, to cover. And there is some, some aspect of, 
uh, security there. There is security in Christ. There is salvation and there is security. There is salvation and protection. The faithful are secure in Christ. My sheep, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Listen, those sheep who hear his voice and those sheep who follow him, they are protected by him. No one can destroy them. Nothing can destroy them. Now they can leave. But as long as they're following Jesus, they're safe. As long as we're following Jesus, we are safe. Security does not mean you cannot be lost, as the once saved, always saved doctrine teaches. This concept of security is conditional. Conditional is conditioned upon us being faithful to the Lord. And listen, if we are faithful to the Lord, we are safe. We are protected. As long as we abide in Christ, we are secure. Because security is in Him. Salvation is in Christ. Safety and protection is in Christ. If we get outside of Christ, if we wander away from Christ, we're no longer protected. But there is safety and protection in Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. You know, in going on through the context of Colossians chapter 3, you, you get on down, Paul talks about putting off the old man. Okay, put off the old man within you, verses 5 through 9. Okay, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put these things off. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. These are the things that disobedient people do, and they will be recipients of the wrath of God. All the way down through verse 11, put off these things. Then he says in verse 10, it's not just leave yourself void. You put these things off, and then you put on the new man. You put Christ on. In verses uh, 12 down through verse 17 especially, where he emphasizes, therefore is the elective God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on the new man, which also then extends into our worship to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What you do, you do it by His authority. You are in service to your King. You are following Jesus. You are obeying Him. That's what it means to put on the new man. We're following after Him. We are imitating Him. Put on the new man. Those in Christ, those who have died to sin, are to now focus on the things of God. In fact, as you go on through Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 18, what does he say? Wives, submit to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. This submission to the husband is the yielding of your will to the Lord. And you humbly accepting your role 
in the family and you doing the things that the Lord would have you to do. You are submissive. And husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Love them. That is, you are caring for them, your concern is for them, you cherish them, you value them above everything else. You do those things that are nurturing and encouraging and uplifting. You pick them up, you support them, you are there for them. Wives, submit, husbands, love. Children, obey. Obey your parents in all things. Children, obey your parents. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. You encourage them. The things that we do in our family is to encourage one another and to lift each other up and to lead them closer to the Lord. Anything that we're doing that is hurting their relationship with the Lord is something that I think we can rightly conclude is not something we ought to be doing. We should be striving to fulfill our duties and responsibilities in a marriage, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. And 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, wives submit, husbands honor, a husband's cherish. Husbands honor your wives. Understand them. <laughs> Understand them. That's what he says. We're to put God first in every relationship that we have. You go on through chapter 22, or chapter 3 and verse 22, it talks about whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord, right? Uh, that is in, in regard to bond servants and their masters, and in regard to masters and their servants. Everyone is supposed to respect each other and care for each other and provide those things that are good for each other. And this is to be continued on. You go all the way down through chapter 4 and verse 5 and how we are to treat each other. Let your walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, those who are enemies of Christ. We're to walk in wisdom. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. The journey is demanding. For you... Died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. The source of our life, our spiritual life, is Christ. The source of our eternal life is Christ. He is our source. And all life comes from Him. But He's coming back. Paul references this, who is our life, appears. He is coming back, and in the day that He comes to judge the world, listen, He's either going to raise you up to eternal life with Him or He's going to raise you up to eternal life apart from Him. John 5, 28 and 29. Everyone who is in the grave will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done wicked, evil, they'll be raised to everlasting condemnation. You know, on the day of judgment, those who have been raised to do, that have done good be raised to everlasting life. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25, verse 31 beginning. All nations will be brought before him. No one's going to escape him, his judgment. And he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep are those who do what? Hear him and follow him. The goats are those who do not. 
and those who on the left hand will be told to depart from him into everlasting ruin. Those on the right hand will be told to inherit the blessing that had been prepared for them. Everlasting life. The Lord is coming back. And when he appears, the faithful Christians will be glorified with him. Romans 8, 17 and 18. If we truly were to compare the suffering of this present time with the glory that shall be revealed in us, if we truly had that perspective on life, it sure will make a big difference in how we live it. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9 Those of you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, but and these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He comes to be glorified in His saints in that day. The Lord is coming back. Heaven will be the home for all the faithful. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. A people who has followed the Lord will be where the Lord is. Our values, our focus, our loyalties must be right. Must be according to the Lord's will. Our commitment, our persistence, and our determination must be given towards serving Christ, as Paul did in Philippians chapter 3. He gave it all. Our focus must stay on Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, Paul says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those witnesses of faith of Hebrews chapter 11, demonstrates the, the reality that those who trust the Lord are indeed blessed. And so he says, let, the, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the provider, he is the source, and he is also the one who has blazed the trail and made it possible for us to have everlasting life who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Look to Christ. Be willing to suffer and serve, to obey and live a life that brings glory and honor to God in all things. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Is heaven going to be your home when you leave this world? My friend, let me say to you, and make this as clear as I know how. If you reach the end of your life and you leave this world and you are not prepared for heaven and you miss heaven, there's going to be an eternity of regret and sorrow and misery. For eternity you'll be thinking about why did I throw away heaven when I had an opportunity to have it? Don't be that person. Because if you miss heaven, my friend, you've missed it all. And don't do anything in this world that would jeopardize you being there. 
Don't, be, don't, don't lay off of doing anything that will help you get there. You do whatever it takes. You make it as safe as you can. You better take it seriously. Heaven is where we all want to be. And that journey is not easy. But are we willing to do those things necessary? Have we set our mind on the things above? If you will live like no one else, now you can live like no one else forever. It's your choice. And I hope and I pray you make the wise one. If we can help you this morning, if you're seeking heavenly things, you're willing to give your life to Christ and you're willing to obey the gospel, we can help you. We can help you obey the Lord. And we can help you receive what he's done for us. And that is provided for our salvation. If you need to be baptized, whatever your need is, can we help you? Together we stand. Well.